It all started with a conversation about donut socks. I can wear socks for National Donut Day. How cool would it be if I could wear saint socks on Saint's Feast Day? said Sock Religious's co-founder, Scott Williams. Five years later, Sock Religious is a rapidly growing company that makes not only socks, but t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, onesies, and coffee mugs. Step on over to SockReligious.com and check it out. Use code GLORIA15 for 15% off your order. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. First off this week, a prominent artist whose works are displayed at the Vatican, Fatima, and Lourdes has been sanctioned by the Jesuits after allegations of abuse. The Society of Jesus has taken precautionary measures against Father Marco Ivan Rupnik, an internationally renowned artist. The measures mean he is not allowed to hear confessions, conduct retreats, or give spiritual direction. Next up, the Vatican website was down on and off for several days due to anomalous attempts to access the site. Some have speculated that the attack was a response to the Pope's comments on Russia in his America interview. We'll tell you what Jerry's hearing from sources inside the Vatican about the attack. The suspect hack came from Russia, criticizing Pope Francis' latest condemnation of the country's invasion of Ukraine. And finally, Pope Francis's visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan is back on. We'll give you all the details. His Holiness Pope Francis will make the announced apostolic journey to the Democratic Republic of Congo and the ecumenical pilgrimage of peace to Juba, South Sudan. I'm Colleen Daly. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a gray, cloudy Rome, Colleen. Ah, you should be here. It's sunny and warm. Jerry, it's the uh, Feast of St. Nicholas. Were you up all night stuffing stockings? No, we haven't a tradition here yet, but of course... Oh, is that not a thing in Italy? There is a church in the south of Italy which is linked to the Orthodox, where it's a big feast today. Hmm. Feast of St. Nicholas of Bari. I didn't realize that the stocking stuffing is, is just here. And we see in Piazza Navona, Colleen, these Christmas stalls, which they hadn't done for years because of the COVID. And I saw yesterday a guy dressed as Santa Claus with a little sleigh and kids coming to take their photos with him. So the Christmas spirit is arriving and Christmas trees in St. Peter's Square. And so we'll expect soon to hear the shepherds coming down from the mountains where they'll be playing pipes in the city. They They often do this before Christmas. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to have to look up a video of that. Jerry, for our first story, the Slovenian Jesuit artist Marko Rupnik has been barred from hearing confessions or from offering spiritual direction after he was accused of spiritually and sexually abusing adult members of a religious order of women in Slovenia. Um, His artwork is really popular across the Catholic world, even if people might not recognize his name right away. Can you give us a sense of how well known he is as an artist? Oh, he's he's a big name in in, in here in Europe certainly, but I, I think be far beyond Europe. Mm-hmm. In the Vatican's Apostolic Palace, where the Pope has his audiences, was done by him, and it's a beautiful piece of work. 
in Fatima. His work is there visible behind the shrine. Yeah, it's in Lourdes and Fatima over on the U.S. side, the new chapel I mean, from 2009 at Sacred Heart University has it. How would you describe what his work looks like? Well, I, I always get a feeling of light and hope from the work. It, it's something that really lifts one up to see it. Right. And when you mention that light, a lot of that comes from the fact that he's using metallics. These are mosaics. He's using gold and copper. And also his pieces will be well known to anybody who attends Vatican events or follows them because he did the logos for the 2022 World Meeting of Families and also for the Year of Mercy. So this is a person who is really well known in the Vatican, who is presumably trusted by people in the Vatican. What do we know so far about the allegations against him? Well, we first began to know about it when a blog site started publishing articles this past week. First one, then a second one, then a third one. And uh, uh, it wasn't clear what the credibility of this blog site was, but it suggested that the blogger had access to internal information from what is now called the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. Eventually, it was obvious that uh, somebody had to say something in the face of this kind of one, two, three very strongly and seemingly resourced articles. Right. So the Jesuits put out a statement. Saying that the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith had received a complaint in 2021 against Father Rupnik concerning his manner of ministry. Uh, this is kind of a rather vague statement, but it, it's something problematic with his ministry. But they stated immediately, no minors were involved. The dicastery asked the Society of Jesus, that's the Jesuits headquarters, to set up a prior investigation into this case. And they asked someone else to do the investigation. A religious from another order, is all they say. Yes, because one of these stories had said that they had chosen a Jesuit to do the investigation. Mm. And this is obviously in response to that. Okay, yeah, because that would be a cause for concern. Absolutely, as we saw in in the question of Cardinal Willett in Canada. Mm -hmm, being investigated by his friend. So there would have been a conflict of interest. It said various people were invited to give evidence. It doesn't say who or what. The report was submitted to the Doctrine of the Faith, and after studying the results of the investigation, they found that the facts in question were time-barred. In other words, there was a statute of limitations. Got it. Now, it's clear that we're dealing with this priest, Father Rupnik, and adults, and we know from the stories it's uh, sisters, nuns of an order in Slovenia. The additional details that have come out now are coming out in the Italian media, and these have reported that the accusations involved psychological and sexual abuse against women belonging to a community called the Loyola community, which is a was a fairly new religious community in Slovenia in the early 90s, and Rupnik was working as a spiritual advisor in Slovenia then. Yes, a lot of the Italian reports are based on these articles that were published by the blog site. Got it. Okay. Uh, I think it's important to say this. Now, uh, when they're speaking about sexual abuse, this is a rather broad term, and it's not clear. And I understand it may be less than is being suggested in some of the media. Let's go back to this question about the statute of limitations. So the DDF closes the case in October, and the Jesuits say that they're keeping certain restrictions on Father Ripnik. Do we know if those restrictions were placed 
before the DDF closed the case? Were they imposed by the Jesuits? How did this work? I, I suspect the restrictions went in a, once the investigation opened. This would be the normal process. Got it. So in 2021. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't have been allowed to hear confessions, to preach, to give conferences in public. He can't give the spiritual exercises as a Jesuit. Uh, apparently he's done some through Zoom, on the, through the internet, but that's a different thing. And whether what is in this blog site is completely dependable is another question. Mm-hmm. Certainly uh, there seems to be have been a leak from the Doctrine of the Faith dicastery, which is quite serious, but it's also a question of uh, this case was closed in October 2022. We are now in the beginning of December, so just over a month ago. So obviously the blogger got uh, uh, hot information, as it were, because sometimes uh, the case can close in the congregation and it may take a month or two months for the actual information to reach the relevant parties. I'm curious why he wouldn't have been removed from all ministry versus, you know, just having some of these restrictions placed on him. It seems like if they placed these restrictions on him, then there was enough cause for concern. Can you shed any light on that, on, on how this works? Well, well, it depends on what the facts are. Mm-hmm. Which we don't know. We're talking about a judgment taken by the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, that it has limited his ministry, but has not removed him from the ministry, says something about the nature of the charges against him. I think it's important to stress that it's very important to take allegations of sexual abuse of any kind really seriously. It's just that at this stage, the details are not really clear to us. So we want to report what we know, but we don't want to speculate any further on it. What we do know for now is that Father Upnik lives and works at the Centro Aletti, which is a community of artists and theologians, both men and women in Rome. Uh, So those bands that we talked about on him hearing confessions and offering spiritual direction, including the spiritual exercises, those remain in place. Uh, and that he has to have his superior's permission before exercising public activities. And then I think the other thing that remains to be seen here is, you know, since his art is so prominent, there is a possibility that there would be calls down the line to remove his art from many of the places that it's featured. So Jerry, you and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how the Vatican website went down for a few days last week. And we'll also talk about Pope Francis's upcoming visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan, which was originally slated for July and is now going to happen early next year. Stay with us. States of Faith is a brand for Catholics who love the rosary and are proud of where they live. Imagine your state outlined in the rosary with the crucifix laying over the capital. You can get States of Faith designs on sweatshirts, quarter zips, t-shirts, coffee mugs, or stickers. Rep your state and faith at statesoffaith.com. Use the code GLORIA15 for 15% off your order. (laughs) 
The Vatican's website showed a 404 error message, a page not available message, on and off for a few days last week, following the publication of America's interview with Pope Francis, in which he heavily criticized Russia. He named Putin several times, he called Russia the aggressor in the war against Ukraine, and he named two Russian minority groups, the largely Buddhist Buryati and largely Muslim Chechens, as being particularly cruel in the war in Ukraine. Now, the Vatican press office issued a statement last week attributing the crash to anomalous attempts to access the site, and it said that they didn't all come from one country. Jerry, I know you've been working on getting some more information from your sources on what happened. What have you learned? Well, it's very interesting that this attack on the website should happen soon after the interview was published. Mm -hmm. And the Vatican News published it in several languages, including Russian, Arabic, German, and it was widely accessible in different languages. The Vatican has been very reluctant to say anything as not to attribute credit or even give credit to anybody for such a hacking operation. But what I do know from informed sources is that this was a highly sophisticated operation, not the effort of amateurs. Many people here saw it as a message in response to what the Pope had said. Right. So although we can't for certain attribute this hack on the Vatican website to Russia or say that it was definitively sparked by the Pope's interview, we do know, one, that Russia has a very proven, sophisticated hacking abilities. And we know that also, our interview with the Pope was followed very closely in Russia. We don't have viewership statistics from the Vatican website, and we're not allowed to uh, disclose exact viewership statistics from America's website. But a viewership of America's website from Russia was much, much higher than usual uh, right after we published the Pope's interview, especially concentrated around Moscow. I believe, and uh, I've spoken now to various people who are well informed, that. Uh, the Pope's comment on the ethnic minority groups, the two, the Buryati and the uh, Chechens, was the trigger for the Russians to comment. And they use it almost like a pretext because what they really dis, uh, are unhappy at in, in the Kremlin and in Moscow is the Pope saying that Ukraine is a martyred state, a martyred people, and there are those who are doing the martyring. Secondly, he said, the Russian state invaded the country. Thirdly, many people say, why don't you name Putin? He said, I don't name Putin because I make very clear that without seeking to offend anybody, who is responsible? And he said, people understand with or without putting the name of Putin. Uh, obviously, these statements uh, really did not go down well in Moscow. But they did not mention any of those three points, neither the fact that the Pope said the Russian state invaded the country, that Ukrainians are a martyred people and there are those who are doing the martyring and leaving no doubt who, whom he meant, and that he said, I don't have to name Putin because pe people know it. They didn't mention any of these three in any of the critical comments they made about the Pope. And I think this is very revealing indeed. It shows that they want to hit him without saying why they're hitting him. Why focus on this comment about the minority groups? The minority groups, they said, well, that, that's racism, that he's treating them badly. But the reality is these are Poor, poor people. The Buryati are on the border with Mongolia. Mm -hmm. 
and they're very poor and uh, the, the best money they can get is from being in the army. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Chechens, whom the Russians did attack at one stage, uh, they're also very poor people in the Caucasus. It is significant that they have not previously jumped to the defense of these people, but they choose them as a reason for trying to rebut what the Pope was saying. Jerry, much like in our first story today um, about Father Rupnik, we don't have a lot of facts on the record uh, about this. So there's only so much that, that we're able to report or that we're able to you know, really link together. Um, so I'd like to move on to talking about uh, how the Holy See has continued carrying on with its humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. Uh, you actually just ran into Cardinal Krajewski on the way into your recording right now, but he has a new campaign underway to help Ukrainians stay warm this winter. Can you tell us about that? I told him, I said, I'm going on the show with him for America in a podcast, and I want to tell the people what you're asking. He said, well, uh, it's clear. The people there now lacking electricity and water. The snow is coming. The temperatures are going below zero. He didn't say it, but it's news. It's no secret. The Russians are targeting, bombing the electric power centers and the water supply, depriving people of heat and water in the, what is the arrival of winter, the beginning of winter. It's very cold. He says, so what can we do? He said, we can provide thermal vests. Okay. Thermal vests. And I said, well, do you want me to ask for money for people. He said, well, that would help. But he said, I prefer even if people give me the vests, they can post them to me or you can bring them to my office. He said, because then you're becoming closer to the person who is suffering. And I said, well, when do you take off? He said, the first truck will leave the Vatican as soon as it's filled. I will take it to Kiev. And I think this is a great gesture of, of humanity. I know that a lot of our listeners are in the United States, um, and so it may not be very speedy for them to purchase thermal th shirts and vests and to send them to Vatican City. We will put the address and the information on how to donate to Cardinal Krievsky's effort in the episode description. One last story this week, Pope Francis's visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan, which was originally cited for early July of this year, but then was postponed because of the Pope's doctor's advice, is now happening. It'll be January 31st through February 5th with some adjustments. So, Jerry, what's changed? Well, first of all, the Pope is in better health than he was in way back in July when his doctors advised him against going and he had to make decisions. He decided against going to Lebanon in June, to going to these countries in July, and instead he went to Canada, mm -hmm. uh, to the indigenous peoples of Canada. Now he's, as we saw in the audience with him, in our interview with him, two hours he, he came in with a walker, then he, he stood up, he stood up for a long time. He's much better. In fact, also the Christmas ceremonies. He's going to participate in all of them. And he was very keen to go to Africa. The Democratic Republic of Congo is the largest Catholic country in Africa and one of the largest Catholic countries in the world. Mm -hmm. We have Brazil, Mexico, and it's, it's in that league. Got it. He, he wants to go there because there's a conflict in the east of the country. He had, in the original plan last July, had intended to go to Goma which is in the conflict zone. But the situation has really deteriorated badly in recent weeks and the security in the country 
and otherwise outside said, no, 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 it's really not on the cards to go. So it's really going to be in the capital city, Kinshasa, for I think three days. And then he's going to go to Juba, the capital city of South Sudan, another country which is trying to come out of the conflict and where he's been pushing for reconciliation. Yeah, he's been doing that with uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, who will be coming with him on this trip. Uh, And actually, we're already hard at work on some explainer content to explain the, the conflict in South Sudan, the peacemaking efforts there. But in the meantime, back this summer, we did publish on Inside the Vatican an interview with Elizabeth Boyle of Sant'Egidio, which is one of the groups that's been really involved in peacemaking efforts in South Sudan from a Catholic perspective. Um, We talked with Elizabeth about both those peacemaking efforts and the effect that the trip's postponement had in the country. So I'll link to that if our listeners want to go back and listen. Jerry, that's all for now. Thank you for talking through these these stories with me. Thank you, Colleen. There will be a lot of uh, more stories, I think. We'll follow up on all these three stories, I think, on, on the Father Rupnik story, the Ukraine story, and this effort, the campaign to bring thermal vests, and the African trip of Pope Francis. That's right. Lots more to come. So stay with us on Inside the Vatican. Thanks, Jerry. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Colleen. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Ricardo da Silva. Audio editing by Kevin Christopher Robles. Production assistance from Cristobal Spielman at America Media and Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. To keep up with the latest Vatican coverage from America Magazine, follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. And you can find all of our news coverage and spiritual resources at americamagazine.org. While you're there, please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America. It's easy to do, and it's the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time.